All right, well, it's good to see everybody. Uh, today is the first Sunday of Advent, and we are kicking off the Christmas season. You know, it's hard to imagine we just ate all that turkey and, uh, you know, in the, in the food coma for many of us. Uh, but anyway, it's hard to believe it's here. Our theme this Christmas, uh, as we prayed about it, we talked about it, we thought, you know, what is, what is kind of the word that we feel that God is speaking to us as we head into this Advent season? Um, it was was this simply Christmas simply Christmas I don't know about y'all but this has been a complicated year even trying to figure out how to navigate Thanksgiving I, I know for our family uh, we had some in our family who have had COVID some who have had a COVID exposure some who have not had COVID and wanted to stay safe and uh, and we did something that we've never done before we had um, some of our family inside these were the ones who had had COVID and those who had not had COVID or who hadn't you know had a, a, a didn't have to have a negative test or whatever, but but they sat outside. So if you can imagine in our in my kitchen, I have a kitchen table, and so three fourths of the family we were sitting around the kitchen table in a U shape, and the opening of the U, if you will, was where the windows are. So those windows were open, and then that led out to a screened-in back porch with a fan. And so some of the family members were sitting outside uh, in where they could you know have the cross breeze. But who would have ever thought that this is how we would be navigating this season of life. And as we head into the Christmas season, I mean, it's complicated enough, wouldn't you think? I mean, without just being a crazy year, I think about some of the stressors that we have for Christmas, especially, uh, I don't know if we've got any newlyweds in the, in the uh, service this morning, but y'all know that first Christmas, whose who's house are you going to go to? You're, you know, the groom or the bride, and then if you throw a divorce in there and some split, you know, some t multiple households, I I mean, the whole season can get so incredibly complicated. I think about trying to, and I don't know if y'all do this, I, I, I've, I used to try to do it, but I've completely given up on it, but trying to surprise someone with that perfect Christmas gift, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I heard someone say one time, and I thought, this is going to be my philosophy that I'm going to adopt. It's like, I can surprise you with a gift, I can go out and buy something, and I can give it to you and surprise you on Christmas morning, and usually what that looks like is they open it and they go, someone goes, oh, yeah, thanks, that's nice. You know, or if I want to give you the perfect gift, then you and I can just go to the store and you can point to it and tell me what you want, and then I put it on the counter and buy it, and then I can give you your perfect gift. But to put a surprise and the perfect gift together, well, that's extremely complicated. And so in this season, we want just to settle our hearts down and think about the simple message of the good news. I saw, I was watching the news this week. And even the folks who, um, there's a team of people, you may or may not know this, with the Oxford Dictionary. And every year they try to pick out one word, just one word that kind of summarizes the mood, kind of what has been the most influential uh, for those who are English speakers in the world today. And so this year they really struggled uh, with coming up with one word. It was just too complicated. They couldn't come up with one simple word. Do you know how many words they had to come up? They said, well, let's just have more than one. One word that we saw this increased usage or phrase. Do you know how many words they had to come up with this year? Normally, they just pick one. How many do you think? Y'all will throw out some numbers. Y'all say, who said 20? More. 47. 
47. And I've got them here for you if Joseph could pull up some of these. And I won't read through all of them. But here are some of the words that they um, use to define. Oh, he doesn't have it. Okay, I'm seeing that he doesn't have it. All right, I'm going to read some of them off to you. Anti-masker. B.C. B.C. Y'all, we normally think of B.C. as being before Christ. A.D. is after Christ, kind of like when the, the Savior of the world comes to the earth. No, B.C. now is being used to refer to as before COVID. Uh, blurs day. Blurs day, as in what day is it? I don't even know. Uh, community transmission. A COVID idiot. Do you know what a COVID idiot is? Somebody who doesn't take social precautions. Doom scrolling, doom scrolling. Have y'all heard that one? This is when you just sit there and you're mindlessly going through your news feed and your news app and, and social media, just looking at all the horrible things that have been happening. Doom scrolling, flattening the curve, furlough, lockdown, mail-in, mail-in, uh, pandemic, PPE, who knew what that word was before? Maybe some physicians and doctors, self-isolate, uh, unmute, wokeness, Zoom bombing, the list goes on and on. It has been a complicated year. And then you add to that the, the complicatedness of, of the Christmas season. We just wanted to take a deep breath. We wanted to remind ourselves and to remind you to take a deep breath and let's remember these next four Sundays as we prepare for Christmas Eve, we prepare for Christmas Day to celebrate the birth of the Messiah, that we take a deep breath and remember the simple message of the good news. The good news that the angels spoke to those shepherds so long ago when they said, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. As we go into this Advent season, and in a few minutes here, we're going to be digging into a passage from Isaiah, uh, which maybe is not kind of a likely candidate uh, for your Christmas message. But, but it, the reason I've chosen this passage is because of what Advent means. The word Advent simply means coming, appearing. And those who created the church calendar, y'all, almost 1,500 years ago, they made a conscious decision to start the church year with Advent. So, so here's the thing. For those of you who mark time by looking at your calendar and you have said, you know, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. I can't wait for 2021 to get here. I want to put this year behind me. Did you know that on the, if you're marking time by the church calendar, not the one that's on your phone, today is New Year's Day. Today is the first day of the year in the Christian calendar because those who created this calendar knew that there would be a time when our world was so crazy, our world was so complicated, our world felt so unsettled when we needed a fresh start, a new start, a clean start, a simple start, and to begin our year afresh and anew with the God of the universe who sets everything right in its time.
Today we are looking at a passage from Isaiah. And Isaiah is a prophet and he he preached and he prophesied to the people of Israel kind of during two time frames. Uh, Most most scholars think that there are actually two, there's more than one author um, of Isaiah and there's a lot of debate about that so I won't get into it. But but the bottom line is Isaiah prophesied to uh, the people of God uh, before they were taken away uh, in captivity to Babylon, warning them of their sin, warning them of impending judgment. Then while they are in captivity and coming out, he is warning them to set their hearts aright, to not have to not embrace the, the, the pagan practices, the idol worship that they had been exposed to while living in Babylon. But mixed in all of the dire warnings and all the, all the, the hard things that he says, Isaiah always gives us this message of hope and of promise and the promise of a coming Messiah. But in the midst of that, who are we to be as we seek and strive to be Advent people, waiting people? Who are we to be? So let's start here and look at Isaiah 63, 15. And I think Joseph might have this slide. I don't have this one in your bulletin for you. But Isaiah begins, and he, and now remember, the people are in exile. They're in exile. And they are taught, crying out to God. It is a prayer to God. And, they, and he, Isaiah writes, speaking for the people, Oh God, look down from heaven and see. From your holy and glorious habitation, look down and see. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Just imagine, if you will, you're in exile, far away from God. God feels absent. Hope is gone. You're weary in the waiting. They they were in Babylon for 70 years. I know they had to be weary in the waiting. And they said, God, look down. See what we're going through. See my plight from your holy and your glorious habitation, your home. And then he asks the question, he says, where, where is your zeal? Where is your might? The yearning of your heart, your compassion, they're withheld from me. He feels abandoned. He feels alone. He feels that God has forgotten him, that God's promises are not coming. He is weary in the waiting. I think about the prayers that we pray, the times when we say, God, will you just look down from heaven and see? Because it seems like you're so incredibly absent right now. Lord, why, why um, did this person hurt me this bad? I'm struggling to forgive. Oh God, why, why did this happen? You know, praying for your marriage, praying for our world, praying, praying that we would have a solid decision on who the next president of the United States is going to be. You know, all of these things, asking God, you know, where, where are are you? Why are you so distant? Because I think in everything that we go through in this life, no matter how complex, complicated, unsettling it is, I think if we know and experience the everlasting arms of, of God wrapping us up tight, we can walk through anything. And that's what he's praying for. Lord, in the midst of our, of our exile, where are you? You feel so, diff- so distant. Please look down and see. Then we drop down to Isaiah 64, 1. 
And he goes on and he says, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. We see that his language has shifted. First, he just wants God to notice. But then he says, God, I need more than you just noticing me. We need more than you just to notice and see us here in exile. We want you to rend the heavens. Just imagine, if you will, that, you know, God is up in the heavenly places. I have no idea what that looks like. But it was like a curtain, a piece of fabric to just rip it apart, to tear it. It was almost a, a kind of a violent action. He said, tear open the heavens. Come down. Come down. He said, so that the mountains will quake at your presence. All those things that, that are mountains, that are roadblocks. He said, let these be shaken in your very presence. As, with a fire, as when a fire kindles the brushwood and the fire causes the water to boil. He says, let your name be known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble in your presence. And then he shows us what our posture is to be as we are Advent people, as we are waiting, as we are watching for the promises of God to be fulfilled. He says, when you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. He goes back and he remembers the times that God had been faithful. He remembers the times when Israel was in slavery and bondage in Egypt, and they waited, they waited on a deliverer. He remembers that here they are now in exile, waiting, watching for Messiah, a redemption, a deliverer. They are waiting and they are watching he says, for ages past, no one has heard and no ear has perceived. No eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. In the same way, we wait, and that's what it means to be an Advent people. The waiting, the watching, the not giving up. Um, Advent, you know, there are three things that we are celebrating the coming of. One is that, that the coming of the Messiah uh, to the people of God when they were in exile back in the Old Testament. The coming of the baby Jesus, which we celebrate. But also the final coming of Christ in final victory. Our scripture passage, and I'm going to jump over to the New Testament, and it, sorry, it might seem that these two passages are disjointed, but they're not. But in your bulletins there, you have a passage from Mark 13, and this takes place at the end of Jesus' life here on this earth. It is in the final week of his life. He is with his disciples, and he is kind of giving his final discourse, his teaching. He, he, they're coming out of the city of Jerusalem, and, and uh, the disciples are marveling about how beautiful the temple is. And he says, well, you know, basically um, there's going to come a time when none of the stones of this temple are going to still be standing. This is all going to be destroyed. And they, they basically say, tell us about the end of the age. When is all this going to occur? And Jesus begins to talk to them about the end of the age. But then he finishes with this in Mark 13, 26 through 27. And he says, then, talking about the end of the age, he said, then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and with great glory. This Advent, we remember 
the coming of Christ as a child, but we look forward to the final victory, the final time when Christ comes and sets everything right in this world. Then he will send out his angels and he will gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. We wait in final victory. We wait till that happens. But the question for you and the question of me as we try to simplify our world, simplify our lives, it's almost like I was trying to think of, of, I don't know, just like the right movie illustration, but it's almost like there's been this shaking, this shaking, or there's this swirling, and it's like you just want to have this magic wand that just all of a sudden just says, just stop, be still for a while. I just want to breathe a deep breath and kind of simplify and settle my heart. I don't know if y'all ever have that experience. But Jesus gives us uh, just the word of what our attitude needs to be, kind of what our posture needs to be as we wait and as we watch. And he, he tells his disciples there in Mark 13, 33, he says, as you're thinking about the end of the age, thinking about the final coming of Christ, he says, be aware, keep alert, because you don't know when the time will come. And what I say to you I say to all, keep awake, watch, watch, watch. A few weeks ago, I was reading one of the Psalms, and I, 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 I don't remember the number, which one it was, but I, what I remember was David was writing, and he, and he was talking about how he gets up in the morning, and he pours out his supplication before the Lord, and how he makes his cry to his God and his King, and then he says, and then I watch. I watch. I think the posture that, that Christ is calling us to as we simplify Christmas, as we kind of get away the clutter, the crazy, the complicatedness, is that he's calling us to be a watchful people, a people with hope, a people that are expecting uh, his, his coming, his arriving. But here's the wonderful thing about Advent. It is about uh, the, the arrival of Jesus, the coming of the Christ child. It is about him coming and final victory. But it's also about today. It's also about this moment in history, in time, this, this moment here on this first Sunday in the Christian year. Because during Advent, we are reminding to await and watch for his continual coming into your life today. That when we pray and we cry out those desperate prayers, oh God, heal my marriage, help me in my marriage. Oh Father, save my loved one. Oh Father, run after my prodigal child. Oh Father, I need a new job. Oh Father, I'm praying for this person that is so far away from you. Father, I can't, I can't handle all the chaos and the crazy. Father, we're, please send a, send, a, send a vaccine. All those prayers that we pray, oh God, see us. Oh God, rend the heavens and come down. That is the God that we serve, the God who is continually coming into the hearts and the lives of those who would wait and watch for him. I don't know about y'all, but Advent gives me hope. Advent gives me peace. Advent helps me to not be quite so weary in this journey that we're in right now. And this year in particular, 
Advent is a time when we reach back and we go all the way back to the, the, you know, the people in exile that Isaiah was talking to. We reach forward to the final victory that Jesus was telling his disciples about in Mark. It gives us grounds us in this present moment and gives us an overarching story to help our story make sense because what it is all about is the simple message of Christmas, which is this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's the message that the shepherds, that the angels gave to the shepherds. Fear not, fear not. I bring you a good story. I bring you good news and hope for all people. May we be this Advent season, people who watch and people who wait for Christ's coming in our life today as we look forward to his final return. Imagine how that would settle you down. Imagine how that would settle your heart down, bring you peace, bring you a sense of um, when all the chaos is, is swirling around, trying to find the perfect Christmas gifts, trying to figure out how do we do a COVID Christmas, all the things. It's simply about God's love and nothing else.